Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Thursday Trust Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Join the conversation on 0499 736 736. Good morning, SEN track listeners and racing lovers. It is Trot's Life. I just saw the great uh, White Hope, the recruit out there, um, Gareth Halls, I walked in. So um, uh, wonderful to have him on board. Hey, Wombat, how are you, mate? You're, uh, you had a big day yesterday. Uh, I did have a big day yesterday, Jason. I did uh, Wednesdays with Wombat, as you would well know, yep. and then was off to the trots at Shepparton to work in my role, uh, my sort of new role, I suppose, as a timekeeper. Mm. I, the race day judge and timekeeper, there's two sort of positions. One does the timekeeping and the photo finish operation, yep. and then the judge sort of takes over and... Um, Steve Hardy, who has been in that role for a long time. His wife passed away at Ballarat a couple of weeks ago, suddenly. Not at Ballarat, but he was at Ballarat when she passed away. And It's very uh, sad. It is very sad. The funeral was yesterday, and um, uh, our best wishes go out to Steve. I've said it a few times on air now. but uh, So someone had to jump up and do the timekeeping. Now, that new there's a new truck. You might have seen it with a screen instead of... Uh, instead of the timing board, it's yep. more interactive. It has the totes on it and everything. Steve had only had that for about a month. No one else had ever used the system at this right. point. And it was kind of like, uh, here's a hospital hand pass, Toby, if you can have a crack at it. So I'm three meetings in now with it. Yes. Because the main issue is when there's two meetings on the same day, because uh, there's only two trucks at the moment. We'll get another new one in about two weeks' time, and then we're going to be a, have a little bit more flexibility. Lovely. Um, which is that, that's the harder job, isn't it? The the timekeeping yeah. and photo finish operating compared to the judging. Uh, it depends on the finish. Yeah, true. Depends <laughs> how much fog there is, eh? How much? Yes, correct. Uh, how much? Uh, there was plenty at um, <laughs> Menangle on Saturday night, wasn't there? It reminded me of that fateful night at Royal Cran. But now, have you got some subjects for me? Because I I, I, I just out, tweeted something. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm seeing that. Uh, morning, you fine gentlemen. After seeing the front page of the paper today, haven't seen it. Does it not surprise you that Toby, just a bit dusty, blew the start uh, yesterday at Horsham? Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe someone was telling us big something fella, was coming. Is well, this big fella? Yes. Yeah. Have a ripper Thursday, gents. Yeah. Uh, I haven't <laughs> seen the front page. No, no. Is not Dusty right. Martin out or something? Is he or is he in? Or I don't know. It's obviously something about just a bit dusty. Don't worry about those those Brisbane Lions. They will win. By 65 points. Well, you're tonight. the bloke that's been telling me for weeks and weeks. In fact, both of you blokes have been telling me Collingwood are no Collingwood's good, Collingwood are no good <laughs> and they're hey, going to hit the wall. I've never said that. I've never once said that. I'm yeah. on the Collingwood bandwagon. You know how put, ironic. Put words in my mouth. This is what I want. All right, Morissette. What, what's ironic? I've got two questions uh, after the back of this. There's one little chat on football, right? Yeah. Collingwood beat Carlton by a point and the Bulldogs finish eighth. Mm. We beat Fremantle this week and you lose to Geelong. <coughs> you then play... 
It's then Collingwood Bulldogs, and how <clears> ironic <throat> if it was to be us that then knocked you out of the finals after we wouldn't have got in if you hadn't have beaten Carlton by that point. Well, there's a little bit of something about that. I weirdly, I weirdly think, and I don't get confident about footy. I think uh, Collingwood will beat Geelong. Um, Bulldogs and Fremantle is just about the hardest one, of the hardest game. I think. I, I, what did I say yesterday? I said it'll be more than forty points. So That's I said to I Toby, about. he did his game plan yesterday, AFL style. Yeah. And I said this is the this is the most even finals matchups we've seen, and I think there's going to be one, if I not disagree. two, upsets in this in this final. It's I his think first week blowouts. in this first week of the blowouts. Finals. Big blowout. He came with stats. With who? I, he came All with the stats them. that oh the first. So long, I'm going to smash Collingwood. Oh, not that. It's more around elimination, elimination finals, finals. Yeah. sudden death finals. Basically, over the last three years, 50% of all eliminations, not sudden death finals, mm-hmm. have been more than 40 points. Yeah, but I reckon that sometimes. We'll get into trots in a moment. But I reckon that's, some, <laughs> that's sometimes because teams Correct. have absolutely limped into an Correct. elimination final. But have Correct. they done that this time around? I think the Bulldogs are limping in. We could get smashed by 60 points because we'll just be – I think bottom – I think we've got a number of injuries behind the scenes. And once we get knocked out, it all come out. It'll all come out. And I think Richmond are a far less superior side than what Brisbane are. And Brisbane could smash it. It's happened so often in finals. So, so is, du- is Dusty playing? Who knows? doesn't worry me. Is Shea Bolton playing? Yes. Dusty right. is playing. Dusty will play. There's just been, no, a, there's been a bit of there's been a bit of footage surfacing. Right. You, I've got I've got some there. questions for you, but you've got some for me. All right. Okay. It's a it's a two horse race, and you get to choose a horse to drive. Yes. Torrid Saints drawn the pole. Yeah. Captain Belisario has drawn two. Who does Jason Bonington want to drive? Uh, I, well, I'm, I've, we've got Jack Law on burning questions today, and oh, I, have I, you? We, okay. we discussed this on the phone yesterday, and I will be posing it to him. I'm, I, I in fact love both horses. It's a good um, question. It is, but I'm utterly besotted by Captain Belisario. He's my favourite horse going around at the moment. I think I would be Captain Belisario for me. That, it, that, there's been a couple of wins. There was one at Geelong um, during the pandemic period where he sat last and, and swamped them. Here's my little question mark, right? The, the only tiny question mark I've got about Captain Belisario on Saturday night is this. Is... There's been a couple of pieces of evidence, empirical evidence, that suggest he's he may not concentrate or go as well in front. In front. He got I'm beaten at the trials by Sahara Sirocco in front. He got beaten by Knights that. Templar one night at Cranbourne when he led. And Knights Templar's a really nice horse, but he got beaten. I wonder whether he stargazes a little bit when he's in, in front. But apart from that, I, you know, he's I just love him. What have you got there on the page? Are you playing paddocks or are you noughts and crosses or? What 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 odds yeah. would he have to be? What odds? Peacock would... brought up paddocks the other day. I hadn't heard about paddocks. What, I haven't thought about paddocks. What for odds, Captain Belisario, to win the Inter Dominion right now? What odds would you rate it? Uh, if I'm being a realistic bookie and 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 being fair, seventy to one. Hmm. But I would have a bet on him at seventy to one. Yeah, if I knew he was going. He's That's 25. what odds I would have to mark him to stop you backing him. He's, no, he's not 25. That's what odds I would yeah. mark him to stop you backing him, 25 to 1. But also need to know he's going there. I don't think he would because I'm not sure he'd be ready for those for that sort of series. He's probably more a Miracle Mile horse or something like that, you know, at this stage, or a Hunter Cup. Oh, look, there's a – I don't know. Anyway, if, I don't yeah. even know if he'd target this, but there's also – The Vic Cup. The Victoria Cup right around the corner. 
they they do know what. But how to do, do you get into a Victoria Cup when you've trained also at Golden Rain? I think Jane and I know what they're doing. Oh, there's no doubt about it. We'd love love to uh, chat with Jane Can't. and talk about Collingwood and. Uh... I don't know. I've rung him and rung him and rung him. Jane and I. Yeah. Well, I'll get the information at least. Um, at a Jackie boy. At a Jackie boy. His opinion of Captain Belisario. But I. Good luck. He, he's. Good luck. Oh no! Don't worry. Full I'll defense. Work. I'll work with him. Solid. Um, Solid full defense. Yeah, no, right. I really like the horse. Now, I've got one more for you. Yep. And this this is the the trialing that you put a tweet up about horses should trial. Did you say if they don't race for three months, they need to have one trial? Oh, you're going to use one of my questions on me, are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you my opinion more than anything. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you anyway. I understand 100% where you're coming from because you're a punter. And I get where you're coming from as a punter, right? I won't answer yet, but I'll, I'll uh, yes, all right. I'll give you a perspective, and then I'll give you a fictitious scenario, which people will say this will happen to me, you know, and it and it sort of would in a way. So, as a trainer or an owner of a horse, you know, you can breed a horse, and we're going to have breeders breeders week next week. You can have a horse, make it to the races as a two year old. I'll give you a fictitious horse. A two year old filly mm. has, or a three year old filly has four starts in January and February this year. It comes back in August, and you're saying. It has to have a trial. It's mm. had four starts. You should have had a look at it at those races, right? Yeah. It comes back. So the owner might be 40 grand into this horse at this stage. <coughs> Spent yep. 40,000. It goes, it's trained in the Yarra Valley. And on August 1st, there's a race meeting and trials at Yarra Valley. It's not allowed to race because you want it to trial. So the, so the trainer has to put it in the trials. Yeah. There's only one nomination for the trials and yep. it's that horse. Does it still trial as a one horse or does it not? Does that count if it trials as a one horse trial? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean. Well, if it, if it doesn't, it has to then go to Shepparton on the Thursday because they were the next trials, which is a seven hour round trip and $200 a year. This is a separate question you're, you're getting into here. No, I'm just getting into, if you have to trial, if you're living, say in the Yarra Valley, you then have to go to Shepparton or you wait nine days to go to Cranbourne and then you trial at Cranbourne and then nine days later was Yarra Valley. Yep. So effectively, that horse then hasn't raced for 18 days longer, and it could have had two race starts in that time. That's the problem that trainers and drivers, and I've made up a fictitious scenario, but that's the problem trainers okay, and drivers so will see with that. I, 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 very, I take that point on, right? So here's my, um, here's my question for you, and then we'll get back to the original question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll ask this question, and I'll give you, I'll give you a moment. We'll go for a break, and then come back and talk about it. But are is that more to more an issue of our trial programming and how often we trial at certain venues? Can I answer that? Yes. There should be trials at every race meeting. Before every single race meeting, at every race meeting, we should have two trials. Can't see why that's not possible. It is possible. I've been belting on about this for years, right? They do it they do it at the Greyhounds. They do it everywhere. We're doing it at a number of tracks now. Yeah. Because people, people are starting to click onto it, right? Because if you're already bringing a, a horse or two, you, you you bring your other one to trial. Correct. Or or even even say if you're local and you're at Cranbourne, Jack Law and James Herbertson are going to be there for the races. So they'll drive your horse so, to so j- j- Again, we'll go for a break. But So is the problem, has the problem historically been with that staff cost? Because the staff costs but, still happen with when you've got a full trial meeting at some other date. So, so it, In fact, it would be better to do it then, wouldn't it, for volunteers and staff? The 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 staff cost, and if you include volunteers in staff cost, because there is a cost of having volunteers at your trials, say, on a Sunday yeah. morning, there'd be 35 hours of volunteer 
slash staff costs and trials would cost the club, say, $500. If you factor in preparation, yeah. paying staff, yep. sand, all that stuff, right? Cleaning up afterwards. Where at a race meeting, the judge and timekeeper, we're there and we will do it. The ambulance is there uh, to provide first aid. It's almost free to the club. Almost cost nothing. So, so just very quickly, what is what has been the resistance to this? Uh, trainers and drivers will say, "Oh, if I've got a horse in the sixth race, I don't want to bring it for the trials as well." Which, which to me is unfathomable. Right? They would rather uh, go to Maryborough on the Sunday and use up five hours of their Sunday morning than an extra two hours at the trots on the Monday. Which is bizarre. Well, if they're it? not on board, then it, it won't work. But they should be, probably. But I don't. You'd have to. You'd have to look through every the, little. The clubs that are doing part it. part of that situation in detail. The clubs that are doing it. It's working. It's working, and the local participants. It's working for. And someone like David Murphy has trialled a horse at Tarang. He had a horse in the first race, and he threw it on the float and trialled it. And he said it was the best thing ever. It saved him five hours. Why do we day. ever? Um, I had this conversation with someone. Why do we ever trial at a place like Geelong? Why? Yeah. Because they offset with Melton. So it's sort of like Melton, Melton, Geelong, Melton or something, isn't it? There's no, apart from um, Jeff Webster, who's, who's not overly given to trolling his horses Emmett at the moment. There's not, there's no horse population there, is there? Timberlife, though. We're getting skinny. So you, Ash Wharton. But it's a huge effort for the people because all the, the ones that are trolling there. Yeah. All Mirena. right. Let's go for a break. A delayed, belated break. And when we come oh, back, we'll go back to the original point. Um, and I'm going to point out this fact when i when i come up with these things it's not because for me as a punter it's for the for punters correct. for everyone for transparency and i want to have this discussion because you are going to come at it from a punter and i'll come at it from a participant yeah and by the end of it i think we'll have this solved we've already solved one vote one toby for hrv programming president we'll go to a break come back that? very soon patrick patrick from melton yeah trots life with jason bonnington and toby mckinnon Good morning and welcome back to Trot's Life. Um, I say Tuesday's Education Day, but at the moment, <laughs> that's been taken over by Thursday. Uh, JD, can you please stop Toby from saying we'll win by 60-odd points? I will seriously come for you, Toby, if we get rolled lol from uh, Big Phil. Toby, stop saying they'll win by 60 points because I don't actually think they'll win. No. Nah. 65, Big 45, Phil. I was going to say 45. Um, Richmond's good. Uh, good, oh, come on, so some good, come on, some good salient points made by uh, Hurls with Curls, Alexandra Hurley here. Yeah, uh, fields extended so often that sometimes you intend to trial, but a suitable race comes up and you decide to go to a race with the possibility of earning rather than oh. trialing. I get that. Would you rather full trial fields or full race fields? Well, I wouldn't like to have to choose between the two, but I'm, they're good points, right? But getting back to the original, um, I and I was saying this to you off air, and I say it regularly when I'm at the pub. And uh, having a bet and having a chat with fellow punters, and they tell me, uh, you're asking how often, I'd like to duck down the pub for a refreshment every then. I didn't even have to ask. Um, he saw the question just from the look him high. Um, <laughs> That's unbelievable. But I do lo- like, I like, you know, I can chat racing. I chat racing so often on there, but then you, you walk away and that's what you do yeah. uh, in your spare time anyway, because yeah. it consumes your life. And still the number one thing that stops people betting on the trots. And it's not right, but it's a perceived integrity issue. Yeah. Right. Which means, fairly or unfairly, here's a little newsflash. Life is not fair in any respect. People expect these days, young people particularly are like social justice warriors that are just like, life has got to be... I'm cancelling you for saying that. It won't, it won't be. It won't be fair. 
but we have an extra onus of responsibility to be more transparent than the other two codes, or more transparent than we than than, than any any sport to try and win back the trust of the punting public. But that should be a goal at least to be the most transparent sport of the three codes. I like that. I think so, but at the end of the day, and I get this point, um, you know, even Michael. Kieran, who will chat to you later, was making this point about the situation that I've got over there with the no deductions in New Zealand, that, you know, a certain amount of inside information has always been a part of racing. And I've got no doubt people want to keep that, but I'm sorry, we we can't really. There's there's always going to be some, right? We You can't be at fast work for a horse. You can't know whether they've mm. stepped on a stone during the week, whether they've got a slight abscess. You can't know any of that. So there's always going to be a bit of inside information, but... Trying to create a situation where people feel they're at a level playing field, punters do, has to be a goal of ours. And I'm I'm just saying that what there's only one of them hasn't trialed. There's a two-year-old race on Saturday night. We'll speak to James McPherson. He might give us some indication later about El Camino. Honestly, it's a nightmare for for a form analyst. You've got horses from all around the state and New South Wales. Sweetheart Bart probably had the best form trialed poorly. Uh I thought at Melton on Tuesday, Doug's platter hasn't trolled. Rock and but, roll gig has, Viking has. They're returning. What you want is as much form as possible, and you want punters to be able to at least – not every punter's going to go and click on the troll, but you need to give them that opportunity, I reckon. Correct. Agree. Yeah. When 100%. Young horses, and if you've been off the scene for three months, but, but the, they're flying blind. But to say to a club that have volunteers running trials for the local participants that you have to reach a standard where they're filmed and they're – do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just too hard to say that to a club. And we just – people do not have the hours in the days to do that. And you look like – I can use Hamilton as an example. <coughs> There's 10 great harness racing people in Hamilton that are running the Hamilton Club. Yeah. But they all are involved in the trials. They're trainers, drivers, driving the mobile. Yeah. You know, they, they, they have trouble finding the volunteers. To, if they could, they could run the trials if none of them were competing in the trials, if that makes sense. Yeah. But they're all competing in the trials. So they can't run the trials. They go to a race meeting and it can happen. Yes. So well, I think we're actually, we come from different ends here. But when we meet in the middle, the, the whole thing we need is some some not integrity around the trials, but some uniformity, some systematic about it. And if everyone knows there's two trials before every race meeting, yeah, they'll just they'll just work. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind that at all. And, and I don't, I don't know it well enough. But, but certainly, being really cognizant, particularly in areas of low horse population, Correct. and that's where they've really kicked them off. Cranbourne, Warrigal, Hamilton, Horsham, Stall, Ararat. They're all doing trials for race meetings in those low halls. That's sensible, isn't it? Yeah, and, and there's exceptions to every rule. So before someone texts in and says there's 12 races at Mildura, please don't give us two trials as well because we'll be – a Mildura race meeting takes six hours or something. It's it's a long day, yeah. right? We can't have them there. We're not going to have trials before race one at Melton on a Saturday night. You know, no. <laughs> let's be sensible about it. But certainly to get the trials to a standard, Jase, and for you as a punter to be able to click on it and for owners as well. Yeah. To go, here's my horse trial. Bang! It's in the form. I can watch that trial. But somebody, somebody even. So the, the thing is, you're leading the horse to water. Nobody can make them drink. Somebody, uh, most people, I think, were in concurrence when I tweeted out this concept. But one person said, "Well, they can pull them up at the trials. So does it really matter?" I'm like, "Well, I can't be there sitting next to every punter and tell them 
when a horse is not going at its hundred percent, you have to have you have to make that decision for yourself. Yeah, and it, like this is the point. I'm not trying to spoon feed punters to the degree where you know they've got every piece of information, but what you need to do is give them the tools and the apparatus and the weaponry that if they're willing to do it themselves, that they can find it. Because, and this even goes back, and it's something long-term we've discussed, and I'm sure it will happen eventually, that when you're pressing a horse, their troll should be in the form the way it is in New South Wales. Why is it not? I don't know. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will happen. I think this new Bright Cove system that they've got and all the whiz-bang things that it can do. Because we're, we're, sim- simply for me, I, I get to do it for a living, and so I get paid to go back and and spend yeah, an yeah, hour yeah. going through trials for a Saturday night meeting. But how many punters have got that time? They don't, mate. They were relying on you to do it for them. In Correct. A or, at, or Craig Rao or whatever, yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm as, as important as tipsters and form people are, I'm a huge believer, and this is why I'm so big on education. If you don't teach the men and women to fish, they will get bored of it. All, all, all it takes is a tipster to have a bad run. Or the tips is the people follow to have a bad run and they'll jump off the trots and then go and bet on something else. But if they know how to do it themselves, if people know how to do the harness racing mm. for themselves, mm. and let's be really very clear about this again, harness racing form is not easy in the first place. Like greyhound form, for instance, is infinitely easier. With the thoroughbreds, I think a lot of people just get a guide, watch a couple of replays, generic feelings, data. To do a proper harness race... The mapping on a Saturday night many alone takes an extreme amount of time. Understanding what lead times and sectionals at different tracks over different distances mean, it's hard. It's hard to teach people. Like that's why we need easy. lead rates. That's what I mean. But I like it's it's not it's not hard once you know it. But getting to that level of knowing it is but that hard. punter in the pub has no idea about lead times. No idea. No. No idea. I don't even know most of them to be honest. But this is why there were a couple of things on. Um, on Saturday night, even that I've mentioned, and I'm not going to mention them again. But people thinking that there's there's duplicitous, nefarious business going on purely out of total ignorance and misunderstanding of of the game. Like catch a wave, how does he turn around his form that much? He ran only marginally better yeah. in the final than he did at heat level. And yeah. if he didn't have the gear malfunction, he would have won the heat at a dollar twenty two. But it's just a constant day in, day out, week in, week out grind that, that to would... try and educate and keep these people on, keep punters on track. And we need to do it because 90% of our turnover, our revenue, comes from wagering. You know the dodgiest race all year, don't you? Is the store gift. Fair <laughs> it is the dodgiest race well, you all do, year. You people hook, holding themselves you back yourself, for it. You? Yeah, so they don't get that bigger handicap and yeah. then they go there and try. And it, it is the dodgiest race all year. And it's a massive punting platform. Correct. Yeah. So you don't actually see <laughs> when you think of the like stupid. You don't actually see. I'm I'm telling you now. People don't even like using these words, but you don't see horses going around for a run that often these days. And when you do, you you can normally this is this is the thing about spoon feeding. You need to get yourself to a point where you can tell. There yeah, are heats yeah, in the yeah, finals. Yeah, there's yeah, Inter Dominions. Yeah. There's some people in the Inter Dominion. We, we talk that, about these things yeah, all the time. There's some people in the inter, when the Inter Dominion comes around that will see a, a favourite get beaten and go, well, they weren't trying. And you're like, no, because they have to accumulate a certain number of points to get into the final. Let's not be idiotic about this. All right, news time. We'll come back and uh, I've got a question around those claiming races and whether yeah, they're right. programming and maybe lowering the ceiling. Oh, Back yeah. in a moment. Oh.
Atrox Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Bit of Phil Collins to bring us back. We're a quarter of the way through the Thursday edition of Trot's Life. The Wombat, Toby McKinnon and I, um, chewing the fat and putting the world to rights. Now, the other tweet uh, when I was doing the form for Saturday night, there's a, this is two-pronged. Could be a programming issue, probably is, um, but also the claiming races... I loved the reintroduction of the high price one hundred thousand dollars claiming races. Agree, but they have now, in my opinion, bastardised. Yeah, I mean, number one, I don't think they should be on the same meeting as a free for all. I think they should replace the up to one hundred five race that goes in between potentially. Nah. All right, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, and the other, because I'm I'm not sure about that either. So if you can provide counterpoints, that's what I want to hear. Uh, but the other thing is the $100,000 mark has – it's turned it into um, a mythical game, hasn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, none of these horses are going to be purchased for $100,000. So I think we need to, to lower it to a level where it at least makes – and, um, you know, the boys from Summit Bloodstock have just bought Seletic for whatever it was, you know, in the 20s, 24 or 25, at least where they have to ha- think twice – do I actually want to put this horse in a claimer or or do I go where the horse probably really belongs and that's in the free-for-all? So in two minutes, I've got a lot to say. Yes. <laughs> um, so we want to get to James McPherson yeah. off the back of a break. But uh, I can't, can't have um, claimers. I can't have the 100, up to getting rid of the 105 race. If you've got a 100-rated horse, you can then only race in the free-for-all every fortnight unless you're going to the claimer, and you may not want to put your horse in a claimer, right? So I can't cop that. It should be something for every horse on a set. It should be a free-for-all at Melton or elsewise every week. Every, every week, but anyway. Okay. That's my opinion. Okay. Fancy having a 105-rated horse and not being able to race it. You have to race every fortnight against Lock and Barrett. Do you know what I reckon? I, 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 what? But yeah. I'll, uh, I'll tell you in a second. Secondly, love claiming races, but it's way too big a spread I did a two-hour show on this uh, last year. Peter Walsh, who spent time, a long time in America, talked a lot about how the claiming races work over there. It's a self-assessing system. I, I Peter and I discussed at the end of that program, we thought, a, a, as a collective of everybody that came on, one meeting a week in Victoria, all claiming races. And say to the trainers, you enter into this meeting, you self-assess your horse. You have a claimer up to 5,000, up to 7.5, up to 10, up to 20. And what they do in America, they have uh, three-year-olds get a 20% discount. Mares get a 40% discount off their claiming price. So if it's a $10,000 up to $10,000 claimer, you can put your mare in for 14 and it still gets back to 10 because mares have a residual value after racing. That that we and South Australian harness racing is in such a state, and they have <coughs> such a big pool of horses now that are basically the same. They, yeah. They're really struggling with handicapping. They need to head towards claiming races All right. for a number of reasons, and we are going to James off the back of a break very shortly. James. Yeah. So the last thing I'll say, and we'll go to a break, is we'll discuss this more down the track. Is that. Uh, Theoretically, you're 100% right about claiming races. It's a little bit like socialism, though. Culturally in Australia, Correct. trying to get it to work and for people to be realistic about how much their horse should go in for is, is a different thing. That's where a, a brave HRV 
need to say we are going to run one of these once a week for the next six months mm-hmm. at at a central track, Bendigo, Ballarat, Maryborough, wherever it is. I'm not. We are going to put it to our industry and try and change the culture of the industry because allowing trainers to self-assess their horses and say, well, I can run it this week in that grade yep. and get a win. Last word going you for need a break. To change the culture. You are correct. I want the free-for-alls to be run every two weeks for thirty to $40,000. Let's go for a break. Come back with James McPherson. Yeah. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back. Uh, we're winding up the first hour of Trots Life, and we'll be chatting with James McPherson in a moment. And I, um, I do need his help. I've already mentioned this two-year-old affair. You know what I'd love? A couple of... What's going on in the background there? Wombat? Just watching a little... Just watching a clip or something, yeah. Interesting. Um, it, was a, it was something about the lines. Come on, lines. You know what I'd love people to do? At, uh, my prices will be out at about 2 o'clock. I'd love people at home to try... I, I try to get scared to do this number of times. Do their own markets for a couple of these races. And just see, just learn how to do that because this two-year-old, well, don't try this two-year-old. That's This is like Simone Bowles' degree of difficulty. Uh, Jimmy McPherson is on the line. How are you, James? I'm good, thanks, mate. How about yourself? Uh, well, I'll be a lot better if you can give me any indication about El Camino and where you think it <laughs> rates against these other two-year-olds because I can tell you, I really feel like I'm up. Feces Creek in a barbed wire canoe, but I do with this race. Yeah, um, no, I do. I have a really good opinion of him. Um, he's pretty smart, I think. But um, well, obviously, we'll know a little bit more after he races against them ones on Saturday night. But as, what he's done so far, he can't really do much more. Compared to Stravinsky, another horse you trained, won the seven races for you, mate. He won four of his first seven. He went into a New South Wales derby heat and ran fifth in that heat. Compare El Camino to Stravinsky for us to give us a bit of an idea. Yeah, you know, I think he's a fair bit better than Stravinsky was, especially as a two-year-old. Um, he sort of has got a lot more high speed than Stravinsky had. And actually, to his credit, his two wins to date have been sitting park. So I think he's very versatile as well. But no, nah, I think he's, he has probably a couple of links on Stravinsky. Are you seeing yourself as being consigned to being in that tough position again here? It's very difficult to work out these small fields. So many of the horses are returning from a break. You don't know how, who's going to be run off the gate and who's not. But... Are you sort of prepared in your mind that there's every chance you're going to be outside the leader again? Yeah, we sort of just have to weigh that up after start. A lot of the ones who's inside do have look to have good gate speed, um, which he can get out hard himself, but basically the good ones are probably don't really want to use him up too hard early. But if we have to sit outside the leader, I'm quite happy to do so. But I think we'll best probably see him driven with a sit. I think that's where he'll be most um, striking. But if we have to sit outside the leader, we'll be happy to do so. Everybody says that about their good horse. Everybody, they're always going to be better. Smoking up would have been better with the sit, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, the, yeah. no, this horse is, it's definitely got, um, well, now we know. That that was actually a good comparison, I thought, Wombat, with Stravinsky to, to learn a little bit. But um, there's a couple in here that I reckon that go pretty good. So so for people that don't, James is 21. He's answering these like he's about 55 and been doing it for 45 years, mind you. He's, he's, a, pretty, he's a very well-spoken young man. Ta- take us through, uh, and this is funny, we've been talking about trials, but... He trialled twice in Feb and twice in March. He raced twice in April. They were 18 days apart. There was a three-month gap then to July and then almost a month to his win at Leeton. It just feel like something's going on there and I can't put my finger on it, James. Uh, yeah, so that actually hasn't been planned to like go that way. He said, I had him up in Sydney when I was working up there for Jason Grimson 
Um, and he took a little bit to come to hand as an early two-year-old. He was sort of, I was aiming him for the Bathurst Gold Crown, but I sort of felt I just had to rush him a little bit too hard to try and make that. Yeah. So I sort of backed off him a bit and just got him ready. Um, and then I brought him back down here and I raced him at Wagga first up and he sort of just got on himself a little bit when he jumped the shadow and galloped. Ah, yes. So that's sort of why there's been a bit of a um, gap between sort of his trial and then his race. And I sort of I don't really like to over-race my horse too much, especially him being a two-year-old, but no, it, everything's all good with him now. So he probably, oh, probably this is probably only his last run. I might give him another letter. Who is, uh, I, I need to melt here as well, even though I've already done my tips and the form will be um, published later on today in a couple of hours. Who do you think is the hardest to beat? <laughs> Oh, probably off this New South Wales form. I think Sweetheart Bart, like it's got the runs on the board. It comes second in the APG, its last start. Uh, but then it'll be interesting to see how it does go first up for Kate and Andy. Um, because I've seen it did trial, it come fourth the other day. I haven't watched a replay, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And probably Jeff Webster's horse, it's got form around pretty good horses. So um, I think them two are probably the hardest to beat. But uh, yeah, I do really think my bloke is up there with the top one. He's, um, his speed's just second and none, what I've ever drove. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I marked it $4. So maybe that's going to be a price. El Camino. Yeah. And not, and the one that I've tipped on top has not been mentioned at all. So that tells you a little bit about the race. Sweetheart Bart, I don't know if you've seen the trial. I but time it, kept and judged it. Yeah, well, I mean, Andy can, can turn him around, but turning him around from that, I thought but, it was, but, a, I thought it was, compared to his New South Wales form, I thought it was, very flat. He may have fast worked two days before, and then he's had a, he's having a lot a few days, and he could be a lot sharper on, on Saturday night. Maybe J- James, you're 21 years of age, mate. You've driven 75 winners at 14. percent You've trained uh, 26 winners at 19. percent When Stravinsky went in a Derby heat, you got Blake Jones to drive the horse. Uh, Alanza come down here, and Anthony Butt drove it in the in the Vic Sires. Are you seeing yourself heading towards training more than driving? What's going on, mate? Um, no, I still really like enjoy my driving and that. I've just sort of had I struggled to sort of get my A grade license being a New South Wales license holder. I sort of struggled early on with getting too many wit fines and that sort of stuff. I sort of had to restart all my drives again <laughs> to get my A grade. So I'm closing in on it soon. So if circumstances had a change I would have been driving them horses, but I don't, yeah, just not much I could have really done about it. Can you remember the night we were at Young, an old mate had the whip tied to the cart? No, I remember that. <laughs> you, you rem- you I reckon I needed to do that, though. <laughs> yeah, he had, a, he had a, like a, uh, a little pulley thing that was tied to the cart so he couldn't lift it up that many times. I can't remember his name. There was an yep. old fella at Young when we were there for Junior Driver Series. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I reckon I should have done that early on. It would have helped me out in a long way, I reckon. <laughs> so what are the major, what are the major uh, targets the next few months for El Camino, Jimmy? Um, I sort of weigh up how he goes on Saturday night. I think it's going to be a test for him to see where he measures up against some good ones. But um, if all goes well after that, I sort of he my he's not really paid up for the Breeders' Challenge as a two-year-old. He is a three-year-old, so that's sort of out the window. Um, but then I might just give him a little break. There's a Leeton Breeders' Plate, which carries oh. the prize. I think it's thirty thousand oh. at the end of the year. Oh. You'll be there. Won't you um, <laughs> I'm the ambassador. And then a sort of. Are you an ambassador? That's I am good. the self-anointed ambassador of the Leeton Breeders Plate, and uh, you have to be there till four in the morning with me, mate. Now you're in the list. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> so that that that, <laughs> that 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 seems like a pretty good target. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's yeah. an excellent yeah. target. Yeah, and if all goes well, I think it'll probably suit him a little bit if he does have a quieter two-year-old campaign because I think he'll have a pretty busy three-year-old season. So I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise for him if I do like just give him a break and look after him as a two-year-old. 
all, all jokes aside, is the Leeton Breeders Plate one of the races you'd love to win in your career? You know, we all you think Inter Dominion's a miracle miles, no doubt, but or an Albury Cup, particularly for you, maybe, or is it is the Leeton Breeders Plate right up there? Yeah, definitely. Probably it's probably on par with the Albury Cup. I was I come second in um, this year, just gone, which I was annoyed about. I'd only just got beat, but um, no, especially growing up and driving at Leeton and Albury and that so much. Um, it would be a nice race to win, especially by being a $30,000 race. We don't often get to run for that sort of prize money around here. Um, and especially on a horse that I'd own with my dad, it would be even more special. Yeah, 100%. She was, um, I'm just looking through Morgan Abbey. Morgan Abbey's the dam. By aces and sevens. Uh, it's, it hasn't actually thrown a star yet, but Morgan Abbey was a really nice mare. This looks like it might be the best of them, but this is going to be the, this is going to be the testing zone, isn't it really for you? You've already mentioned a few times, Jim, because I, I just wonder, you look at this field and you, there's nothing that stands out as being, you know, an already established star, but I've got a funny feeling. Vikings always shown ability. Sweetheart, Bart, we've already spoken about second in the APG. You never know with Chiesa. Lou only had a couple of starts. Doug's platter's done a good job and rock and roll gig's actually the one that I've tipped on top. I think it's got a lot of ability. It's got a lot of speed. So you are going to get a really good guide about where you're at one way or the other on Saturday night, mate. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, it's obviously you can't do much more racing around like the horses he's been racing around here. He, um, he's like the, none of them can sort of go with him. That day that he did go up at Wagga, it was a decent field. Like you had that thing of Rodney Lake, he's Captain Hammerhead, who didn't disgrace himself in the Nutrient final on Saturday night. He, he was in that race. He won the race. So if he didn't gallop, it would have been interesting to see how he did go against that sort of horse. I think he's pretty smart. So no, we'll get a good guide on Saturday night and we'll go from there. It actually went huge in that Nutrient race, Captain Hammerhead. It was flying. A... Now tell us the obligatory question at the finish. Is there anything else that you're associated with at the moment that you're excited about other than El Camino? Um, yeah, my filly, Alanza. I think she's um, she's come back very good, actually, after a little let-up. I sent her down to Nathan Jack. She won a Vic Bread bonus sort of earlier this year, and um, we spelled after that, and she's come up really good, actually. She's improved a lot since last time in, so I'm very excited for her. I, I looked into her and everything and thought, oh, I won't ask him about that. The horse might have been sold or something to Nathan Jack, so I don't want to ask about that horse. So she's still yours. Yeah. She, she ran eighth in the gold bracelet last year and tenth in the big size. She's not far off him, mate. So to hear you're excited about her, I think we're going to have you back down to Melton a few times over the next six months, which we love seeing. Yeah, hopefully she brings her manners. She um, stuffed herself up in that bracelet final. She galloped out and still beat half the field home, Millie. So... If she brings all her manners and she switches on in her head a little bit more, I think she'll be down there a fair bit. If you can work out how to get her to switch on and bring her manners to Melton, can you write it all down and I'll pass it on to Jason? (laughs) (laughs) Will do. (laughs) It's too late for me, Jimmy. It's too late for me. Thanks for your time, mate. Good luck with El Camino on Saturday night. That's right. Thanks for having me. Cheers. He's He's a very, very, very well. You know what? He looks a little bit like... um, Jimmy Herbertson, and you could—you almost would think you were talking to the love bug. The very incredibly well-spoken young man. Hundred percent, hundred percent, very good. And um, I'm sort of—I mean, he's been around—he's been around some pretty nice horses. I reckon I'm—I'm I'm not swayed because I won't—I'll be honest with you. I couple, want to encourage wagering. I won't be having a bet on the race. I don't think. Couple lengths better than Stravinsky, who ran fifth in the Derby heat, and he thinks he's going to be a better three-year-old. I think I think he's a nice horse. Whatever he does on Saturday I think Saturday he's a nice night, horse. I'm just not sure exactly how nice all the rest of them are. So that's what I'm, that's what we're going to learn. I think whatever he does Saturday night, we're going to see a better horse in six months. All right, it's time for a break. We'll come back. Little link up in the second hour coming up of Trot's Life Thursday edition with Wombat and Bond.
You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. We should, we should have a subscription service. Yeah. And you get to listen in the ad breaks. They'd want to pay a fair bit because I, would, I don't. Yeah, track uncut. I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be allowed to work in this in this country again. So yeah, I'll tell you I, what. I, I every subscriber has to have ten thousand dollars, and I'll get enough subscribers that and I can also, retire. And also, if we did that, tags uh, tags would be out out the door as well. The way he. Uh, I think most chats in ad breaks. I, I think want, most would. I don't want to. A mate messaged me the other day, and I know I should already know this. What does Hackenbush mean? A horse, it's, it's a, it's a, a bit of a rogue. It's, a, it's, a, it's no good. It's yeah. a hack and no, bush. No, it's a hack. no, no, but they normally like, they're the sort of horse that plays up at the barrier. Yeah, it doesn't but go it's, in the gate. No, nah, but I think, I think overall no. what Hangs. hack and bush means is just like, it's a rubbish horse. Like, it's yeah. no good. It's a nonny. But Tags calls it, ah, it's a hack and bush. Okay. A hack and bush. But, it, but, it, but if, it was, a, if it was a horse without much Question ability, but it tried really hard, yeah, I, don't think like that, ca- yeah. I don't think he caught that. It's, it's, nah, like, it's like calling tags, him a dingo or, you, or like a cat, a milk drinker know, or something, is it? You know or Tags well enough by now. He he doesn't sugarcoat it. He, nah, he nah. says it like it is. All right. That's true. Uh, no. Nah. We've got the heart out coming in about a minute or so. Your second tag, hour. Your tags isn't your Mark Purden, let's face it. Uh, no, no. The semi on one's good. What goes on? What goes on? What goes on? I'll pay that one. Um, it's raining now. outside. They've cancelled a meeting, Sammy. Ah, uh, what goes on? Put a second pair of glasses doing? on. What are they doing? Put a second pair of goggles on. Ah. You do it best, John. We are. Was, I thought that was actually. A, I thought you'd played a little no, no. A little thing of a he needs. There. He needs an exorcism, did. I think. Sammy was in his body there for a second. He <laughs> looked into his eyes. Um, Sitting here, Michael Guerin. And you've got Jamie Cockshut, and he's got Kent, Kent Ratray. Ratray. Yeah. Kent Ratray. And just reiterating also that uh, next week we will be... Breeding week. Covering off Breeders Week, which you is... You and I great... will be doing Breeding Week together. Yes. Um, we've both already done it. <laughs> so, yes, we were successful breeders. But, but separately. Yes. Separately, I'm, I'm that is. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, thanks for clarifying that. I'm... Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, after after my first progeny, my um, my stallion fee went up too much, and I couldn't I couldn't attract any more um, buyers. No, I've got one, but I don't think she wants to breed. Yes. <laughs> the, remember when the, there's been a lot of discussion over the years of capping the number of, yeah. number of um, mares to stallions. That wouldn't, that wouldn't work for me. I used to say Eddie Maguire should stand Nathan Buckley at start and get all the father sons. Cheapest creepers. Hey, could you imagine Bucks having 125 kids a year? Just don't encourage me. Wow, we. Well, can you imagine? All oh, and eligible under father son. That's what harness racing is. Art True. Major betters the light. Well, Collingwood have been made up of. We're doing pretty well with Bull, the Bulldogs son. and Collingwood are the leading father son clubs. If you ask me, we're both in the eight, and apparently you worked out a way that you can maybe knock us out of the finals. Yeah, he's got an stuff. algorithm. Um, Collingwood are no good. <laughs> time for a break. Back with Mick Guerin and Jamie oh, Cobbshire and Kent Ratray. Oh, after this, Saints miss the Welcome to Thursday Trust Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Join the conversation on 0499 736 736. Welcome back to Trust Life. Jason's off to film burning questions, so he's left the show in sort of my capable hands, but... 
I'm just the midfielder now, just handballing out, putting out handballs to our to our guests in Mick Gurren and Jamie Cockshuttle. Join us in this hour. We love our uh, correspondents. Mick, mate, uh, firstly, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, where am I today? I'm in Auckland today. Um, I'm off to Alexandra Park tonight to watch um, some pretty good racing, some pretty good horses here tonight. Uh, Old Town Road's a good horse. He could well be on the New Zealand Cup. Path Temporales there, and an unbeaten two-year-old called Merlin, who, while it's not a Mark Purden two-year-old, and they tend to be the best ones, um, is pretty good. So he, he's unbeaten. They go tonight. Barry Purden, who's actually recovering from hip surgery, um, lines up 12 tonight. And that's, that's a massive, massive team for Barry. Incredibly rare for him and Scott Phelan to line up 12 at this time of year. So very much things are starting to ramp up because the Harness Millions, which is the first of the next round of good two-year-old races, is uh, is about six weeks away at Addington. So, yeah, everybody's still getting their head around how the season breaks up now. But tonight, first day of spring, is a bit of a relaunch. So, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing how these two-year-olds come back and whether the early season form carries over to later in the season because this is the first time the New Zealand season hasn't basically been the two-year-olds all the way through. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. It's a race caller's dream, isn't it? You've got Merlin the Magician and Gandalf the Wizard in the same race. Well, <laughs> Big Gandalf's a lot dumber and uh, Merlin's a lot faster. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was very good, very, very good last week, Merlin, at, at the trials. He's awfully, awfully quick. So, look, I think he'll win tonight. He's, there's no spoil there for the punters, but Old Town Road, who's off a 30-metre handicap in the feature pace, he's also a pretty good horse. So, I think there's enough there tonight to make it interesting and relevant. Um, we saw the good horses from over here, Krug and Akuta back at the trials yesterday. Oh, yep. And then I think they'll race next in a couple of weeks and then self-assured and and, um, and spank them aren't too far away. So, so things are starting to take shape. Um, not as quickly as they are over there, of course, with Archie back on, on Saturday night. But, yeah, I, I think it's starting to get interesting again just how we feel that winter lull in New Zealand is going to be the question heading forward because there's three months of pretty average racing. It's got, in football terminology, it's almost the end of pre-season now, isn't it? It feels like we're about to get into the real stuff in a, in a week or two's time, isn't it? Well, it feels like also... You know, this stuff's going to matter because, like Akuta, for example, if Akuta comes yeah. out and wins and beats Krug in three weeks, then he goes to the New Zealand Cup. If he comes out and gets beaten by Krug and then gets beaten by self-assured, that changes. Now, he's been heavily back with the New Zealand TRB, way too heavily back for my liking. He's in the $4.80 second favourite. Um, you know, Harry can be $4.80 second favourite ahead of copy that for the New Zealand Cup. I don't know, but again, copy that heads to, to Melbourne next week, and then the question starts to be, does he come back? So things start to matter now because races like the Inter-Dominion, the Victoria Cup, obviously, and the New Zealand Cup start to genuinely take shape of the actions of what we'll see in the next couple of weeks. I'm still doubtful. Akuta's a New Zealand Cup horse. I don't think he needs to be. Um, he'll only officially be three, even though he'll be the same age Lazarus was when Lazarus won the Cup. But yeah, I, I doubt he'll go there. But I am looking forward to seeing, you know, how a horse like Krug comes back and those sort of horses because there's a little bit of a drop away once you get behind Artie and Self Assured and those sort of horses. And I think Krug's one of the few horses who, who genuinely probably can fill into that gap. Uh, there's been more than just uh, the Lazarus win as 
four, as four-year-olds. Copy that. One as a four-year-old. Lazarus, one as a four-year-old. Terror to Love, one as a four-year-old. Mainland Banner, one as a four-year-old. Mayor Christian Cullen, one as a four-year-old. Ilva Colo, one as a four-year-old. Inky Lord. Been a lot of they would be deter, determined as three rolls now. All those winners of the New Zealand Cup. So I would say off the back of that, well, what well, copy, been... copy that wouldn't have been because copy that was actually five. Oh, five, right? and that the was new, the change. The new yeah, sorry. Come into play. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You've yeah, been yeah. quite a few four-year-olds have won it, but Lazarus was actually quite a late foal, so he actually was dead set three, wise, technically three. But I think Lazarus's body of work was a lot bigger than a Cooter's body of work because obviously he had to race in three derbies. He won the Victoria, New Zealand, and Northern derbies. Whereas Cooter's only raced in one derby. And I think that's a crucial factor is these three-year-olds are different now because they don't get a complete full three-year-old season. Yeah, yeah. yeah Whereas yeah. a Lazarus type horse and Alva Cola also won three derbies. They'd had more derbies. And Lazarus was a well-traveled horse by the time he got to Addington on that day. Um, so, look, I, I'm not saying it's impossible. I just don't... There's nothing shown me so far that Akuda's as good as Lazarus, um, but he may, he may well develop into being. So it's... Um, I actually spoke to Mark Bird about it the other day. I said, look, Lazarus usurped Have Faith in Me. Have Faith in Me was favourite for the New Zealand Cup when the markets opened that year, but Lazarus usurped him very quickly. I said, do you see Akuta usurping self-assured in the same way? He said, well, no, I don't. Um, because self-assured's a better clean-gated horse. He's got more going for him. He was just a more all-round professional than um, than a horse like Have Faith in Me. So, look, it's going to be interesting to see how it all um, pans out. Um, also, back at the trial yesterday, it was a horse who will eventually end up in Melbourne, and I think we'll end up there for the Great Southern Star in Muscle Mountain. Yep. And he's going to be really interesting. He's going to be really interesting for the Great Southern Star. I think he is alongside Stent, the best ever Southern Star horse were produced as in perfectly suited to the Southern Star. Gatesby. Big horse, Gatesby. Yep, exactly. And he loves Miles. Um, Scent was exactly the same. He obviously won it in the cakewalk. I think a lot of other Kiwi horses have won it like Vulcan and Speeding Spur because they were just better and they copped the two runs in a night better than some of the others. But yeah, there's a lot of pieces on the chessboard now, fellas. Whether there'll be that many pieces on the chessboard because it's only two months and one week to the New Zealand Trotting Cup, uh, in six weeks' time, will be interesting. We know something's going to go wrong somewhere. Um, I think everybody's just hoping it's not there. Yeah. Monte Carlo won the first New Zealand Cup. He was 14, Mick, in a trotter. <laughs> yeah, 14-year-old trotter won in 1904. Yeah. One, one of the more remarkable stories is a horse called Wildwood Jr., won the New Zealand Cup a couple of years later. They yeah. won the following year's New Zealand Cup and didn't start in between. Didn't have a run. Oh, nine and so 10. So yeah, two, yeah. yeah, won the New Zealand Cup. Sta- two runs in a row. He started off five seconds. What does that mean? They, they... So back, back before they, when they first started harness racing in New Zealand, rather than having standing start handicaps, there were the horses off the front and then there were horses who were five seconds behind them. So they all stood on the same place. And they counted to five, and you were allowed to go. I like a so um, I, I like they sort of do in a, in, like a, a in a cycling time trial sort of thing. You know, they they count well, them down. It was no, it, what was that? No, it was actually like a like a time penalty in Formula One. You just had to wait for five <laughs> seconds till the others had gone far enough. So that's how it first happened in a place called Wanganui, where harness racing started in New Zealand about 1880. They used to have time penalties, and then obviously they went to yards, uh, and then obviously meters and. Interesting conversation about that, of course. We've spoken recently about the the option to move the New Zealand Cup to a handicap. Yeah. That's gone away. I believe there's still some people who want it to happen. 
Um, but what the big news that came out last week, obviously, was we look like we have a slot trot. And I think the slot trot will be really important, Toby, because the people who love trotters are zealots. They absolutely love them. Yeah, yeah. And there'd be nothing cooler than that night when they get a million-dollar race for the race by Grins at Cambridge. I'm not saying it'll be him. But to have Majestioso here, to have Queen Alida here, because she's owned a New Zealand, so she'll probably have time to be bred over here. Um, to have Olivici, any of those horses here, that's when things now were more or less out of COVID. People start saying, hey, I'll get on a plane. I'll go to Auckland or Cambridge. I'll go watch Majestic Cruiser take on Self-Assured and Nakuta because of Majestioso taking on Bolt for Brilliance and Sunday Sun and Olivici. And I'll be up for that. So I reckon it has the makings of the best night of harness racing in Australasia. Now, I don't say that lightly because the Miracle Mile is a great night. A lot of the other great races are days. Uh, And obviously, we split some of the races during the Summer Carnival in Victoria. Mm. But to have a million-dollar race and a 550 on the same night at a time when they don't clash with anything, um, yeah, we, we could have a really, really cool experience coming up. We've got plenty of other ones in other parts of Australasia as well, but... But I think a $550,000 slot trot will be very, very easy to sell. You, you've answered all my questions. Nelly, I, I, had on, I saw a tweet, something about on deadline, and I wasn't sure whether you were talking about getting to the paper in time with a story you were writing or whether you were talking about a horse coming to Australia, mate. You should follow him. He's a good horse. His how, name's how, on deadline. How good? Oh, he could turn up at the Breeders' Crown. He yeah, could turn yeah. up at the Breeders' Crown. I'm not saying he's going to win the Breeders' Crown because turning up in Victoria to knock over Emma and Clayton is a very, very tricky thing <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. But he's going to Bathurst to Nathan Turnbull. Who will turn up in Bathurst and give it a headache to those horses most days of the week if he settles in? Um, well-educated horse. Set parked in 155.1. Mile rate for 1,700 last start around Alexandra Park on a cold night. Well, he's going to jog 152 around Menangle if he can do that. Um, he might be one of the nicer horses to be sold to the provinces in the last 10 or 20 years because most of the good horses get sold to Luke McCarthy or they, yeah, you know, they go to yeah. Stewart. Probably, not many trainers at Nathan's level get to, to play with horses I presume would have cost about 150 k So those horses tend to go to the bigger stables um, or Perth. He's a horse, um, gate speed, well-mannered, He's a horse who could turn up in a nice race, and he's a horse who is ready to run. They could drop him in the Bathurst next Wednesday and win by 20 metres. Oh, and some, by the, and some by the sounds of that. All right, mate, uh, yeah. you're going to have a couple of weeks away, so we're not going to speak to you for a few weeks, I hear. Off, off, off to Hong Kong. Actually, going up there to see, uh, see the racing landscape up there and check out some stuff and do a bit of business, and then, we'll, mate, we'll be, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. But, yeah, there'll be plenty of good stuff happening in New Zealand, but in about two and a half weeks' time, Toby, it'll get really, really serious. So we're looking forward to chatting about that and keeping everybody updated um, over the spring and into the summer. Mate. Yep, beautiful, Mick. Thanks, as always, mate, for coming on. Look forward to Cheers, chatting you in three Thursdays. There is Mick Gooden, our New Zealand correspondent. Nothing on the other side of this break. Uh, Jason is off doing burning questions, so... We might uh, come up, we'll see what I can come up with over the ad break, JD, and we'll come back the other side and do something. To Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Thumbs up from Jamie. He won't be far off, JD. 
Yeah, just a little bit of on-air coordination between That's the bu- pair beautiful. of us. It's beautiful. Now, little story. Saturday night, Aaron Code's 30th. Can't wait for it. It's been well publicised, this. And it's the definition of what is truly wonderful about harness racing, right? Aaron's a bloke from Mildura, trains a few horses. He grew up in Broken Hill. I'm There's four of us going up in almost uh, coordinated to go up and coordinated assault on Mildura. It's myself from Yarra Valley, Tim O'Connor from Ballarat, Sean McNulty from Bendigo and Luke Humphreys from Gisborne. The four of us, all from totally four different backgrounds, would never have even known each other if it wasn't for harness racing or no Aaron. We're all heading to Mildura for the weekend to spend in Mildura for, for this 30th birthday. That's not what harness racing is truly about. I'll go here, creating those connections and relationships. Uh, I think Jamie will be there. Just uh, JD is just texting, uh, testing. Uh, and as a Saturday night at Hobart is a very interesting little race meeting. We've got Kent Rathray lined up for a chat and, as as I say, these connections and relationships with people. He's given us the thumbs up that he's he's aware of OB7, so uh, hopefully he's not far away. Kent's got a couple of key runners on Saturday night, so we'll be able to catch up with him shortly. There, oh, it sounds like I can hear a little toot-toot from Vietnam there. Jamie, mate, how are you? And I assume you're still uh, OS, mate. Yeah, mate, I'm heavily involved in some renovations on a, a house that'll... Um, rented, mate, to do, um, you know, Australian-style business, pizza, burgers, pies, cake, you know. Yeah, so I'm in the middle of that, mate, and it's not kind waking up at 7.30 every morning and heading across there to talk to the contractors and all that when it's 35, 36 oh, degrees, mate. Fancy there. Have a listen. It has to wake up at 7. Most people doing a hard day's work get up well before 7.30, Jamie. You haven't, you're not, uh, you're not in, in, ingratiating yourself with the general man here. Oh, Etos, mate. I've been a baker <laughs> since I was 15, mate. Baker start at 1am and 2am, mate. Oh, so in, in about three weeks, I'll be up I'll be up at 3.30, playing worse luck. But um, it's something I've got to get used to all game, mate. But while I can get a few extra hours of beauty sleep each morning, mate, I'm going to take it with both hands, that's for sure. Yeah, well, you've definitely been getting up early for a long time if it was called beauty sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure, mate. That's for hey, sure. I, I don't plenty. know if I've ever slept then. I need plenty. I need plenty of it, mate. <laughs> now, we've got a couple of meetings this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I do like seeing Saturday night uh, Hobart. I do, my, There's something about racing on a Saturday night that's just so much more special. And, of course, there's uh, like they're nearly all $20,000 races, which, which are great nights racing down in Tassie, mate. Oh, for sure, mate. It's great to see. And as you mentioned, mate, I'm with you. Saturday night is the night for harness racing as far as I'm concerned. We all grew up tuning in Saturday nights to the old Moona Valley days. And yeah. you know, Friday night used to be Harold Park. But, you know, but Saturday night's always been the best night. And we don't get many Saturday night meetings in Tassie, but the Powers to Be have done a great job and, and all that because we've got um, 10 good races and I think there's six... There's two, 26,000 for the two-year-olds and I think there's four or five for 20,000, so... It's definitely one of the better nights of racing I've seen for a fair while, Tobe, and um, all we've got to do, mate, is find some winners now. Find some winners, we will. The three-year-old Colts and Geldings final. Generally, the three-year-old Colts and Geldings in a smaller pool of horses like this, there's one that generally stands out, mate, and, and it might be the magician, is it? Yeah, he's a nice type. He's lightly raced. He's trained by the rat race, and they take their time, mate. They never rush their horses. Yeah. 
Um, they've obviously got an opinion of this horse because they've taken their time. But he resumed on Sunday night with an absolutely arrogant win, beating, beating most of his rivals tonight. He, he worked to the breeze mid-race and just done it easy, mate. So he's only going to be further improved, and he's drawn inside all them rivals. So it's hard to see him being beaten, despite there being some handy types in the race. So I just think he'll get the job done, and let's hope they put up $3 or $3.20 early, which, you know, I think they will, because there is some form in the race with other runners. And then we head across to the next race, mate, for the other better, better than night. Race five, number 10, Island Boutique. Um, Christian Soler's done a great job with this horse. Mark Yale's got the, the key to her. Um, she was dominant winning first up to make it a winning hat-trick out of the last three runs. And I can just see Mark pushing forward once the pace settles. It gets, she gets around to the breeze, mate. She'll be too strong for her rivals. And, you know, they should put up 250, 260 or so. I think that's a pretty good double, you know, mid-card you know, mid for the punters out there. Cutle of Value, race two, number seven, CT Chelsea. This is a good race. This is for the two-year-old Phillies feature, you know, $26,000. And there is a little bit of depth. You've got Ilac Bakari drawn two, CT Chelsea drawn seven. And you've got Island Lady Lincoln drawn out the back. And then you've also got um, Kent's horse, Gillespie Sands, drew four. I think Gillespie Sands got the speed to lead. And so she's going to be in front. And CT Chelsea might have to be driven outside of comfort zone, but... I think she'll be up to the task, and I reckon we'll get 5 or $6, so she's a good gamble at those sort of odds. We'll go over to the feature race. This is the Metropolitan Cup, and it's great to see it for 20000 again. We've got Harjeet, the Shallows. We've got Diamonds and Cash, who's racing well. Sunny Sands, that's a good race, but pound for pound, I think Harjeet is the best horse in the race, so I'm happy to be on be on that side, and I reckon Toddy will get the job done. It you know, should be $3, three fifty, and I think they're good odds for him because he's a really good horse. Then we go over to race nine. This is the, the each way better than night. We should get seven or eight dollars, better and more. Um, drawn outside the second line, but as long as Buster William don't go too early, Ricky Duggan will get on the back of Buster William and Buster will take her right into the race. And if she's within five metres at the top of the straight, mate, she's got the speed to run past the rivals and looks a really good each way play. The couple of odds race seven number nine forgot the wallet. Hard race. She had no luck first up, hit the line strongly. She gets the sort of run she likes, and if there is going to be a ball over, she's the most likely type. And over to race eight, number three, Jackson Neptune. This is the stand start feature. He just pings away, so he'll be in front or behind the leader, so he'll, he'll give himself every chance, and he'll be 12 to $14, and he's an each-way bet to nothing, mate, so I think he can definitely run a place, and he's a sneaky chance of winning. We'll go to the quaddy. Um, let's hope the pools are big on Saturday night. First leg will go 10 and 13. We'll just have a bit of insurance with Island Boutique with a horse called Impulse. Yep. Um, second leg will go 7, 8, 11, 12. Third leg, 5, 9, 10 and 13. Last leg, 2, 3, 13 and 14. $64 mm-hmm. give us 50% of the dividend. Chuck Beast mode in that last leg. Uh, for those that listened about three months ago when I said a similar thing and he got up. <laughs> yeah, well, he hasn't won a race since. I don't think he's been a place since. So he's probably heard us both bagging him out, Tobe, or, or whatever, talking about him and his former buggy. Is not, I'm not going to perform like I can. Now, uh, that's Saturday night done, and uh, you'll get a night's rest, mate, back up and off to Launceston the next day. Must be a big weekend yeah. for Benny Yo. Yeah, it would be. I don't know how many runs he's got, but it would be. But, <laughs> but yeah, Launceston's obviously the second secondary meeting because Saturday's a great meeting. The best bet comes up in the last race, eight, number three, True Stepper. Finally showed last week that the ability he's got and raced away to win by 10 metres or more. Six horse field, I just think he wins. You know, won't get flash odds, probably 220, 240. 
And I reckon he's a good gamble, and I think Max Marita's nearly a good thing to run second in the race. So there's a Cornella out there, listeners. The value plays come up. Race five, number eight, Tarleton Riley. Got a couple of duck eggs next to its name. But drawn barrier eight, number one's drawn to lead. And one thing about Tarleton Riley, he loves a soft trip and getting uh, the last crack at him. So the pole marker leads and drifts off the track, or there's a gap over it, don't look for Tarleton Riley to be spearing through, and he'll give a great side around the $6 mark. The following race, we go to Pantano Stride. He was going to win last start, but broke stride 100 metres off the line when he was starting to race away from his rivals. So as long as the camper fixed up whatever caused that, because uh, he seemed to break for no reason. From a similar draw, I reckon he can just has to run up to that effort and he can get the job done at around the $6 mark in race six. And the one that odds comes up, race three, number 11, Lip of Peace. Um, showed a bit of improvement last time and does have the knack of bobbing up at big odds in, in certain races and he does map well in race three and don't be surprised to see him give a side around the 15 to 20 to 1 mark. And the quality mate will go 1, 6, 8, 10, 13. Second leg will go 6, 12 and 13. Third leg 1, 4, 7 and 13. Last leg 3 and 6. Um, $48 give us 40% of the dividend. All right, mate, we'll take a break for the news. And I'm just going to run you through some stats and figures over these couple of meetings that I've uh, quickly calculated out, which, which is uh, a big compliment to Tassie Racing. We'll take the news in. We'll come back and have a quick chat about that. The SEN app is now... You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. This is real Jamie stuff, this. (laughs) Now, Jamie, there was something you said. It was only a throwaway line that it was a secondary meeting at Hobart, right? Well, here are some stats. There's $240,000 in prize money across the weekend in Tassie. $192,000 on Saturday night, 10 races, 19,000 average. I I know it is the secondary meeting. There's no doubt about that, but it's... It's 50K across eight races. It's, it's over $6,000 average prize money per race. So even though it's a secondary race meeting, the, the, the prize money's really good at 6000 per race minimum, you know, like or 6250 across the eight races. I know they're, they're 5950, most of them, but it's really good prize money for what you, you term a secondary meeting, you know? Oh, correct, Toby. And, and what you've got to realise, all the other states, right, our driving fees don't come out of the prize money listed. Oh, like same as Queensland. Yeah. yeah, okay. So on, on top of that, you've got to add, say, 10 drives, an extra $600. So really the race is worth 6550 Yeah, yeah. Because the driving fees don't come out of the prize money, mate. That's yeah. the good thing about Tasmania and, you know, it's a credit to Tas Racing and the people that are behind it. You know, like you win a race in Melbourne or New South Wales, well, all the driving fees come out of the prize money before they split the prize money. So... So at the end of the day, it's even better, mate. No, it's like it, I'm, I'm more or less talking secondary meeting through class of horse, but um, yeah, I know. But, but as for secondary meeting on prize money, mate, that prize money's up there as as good as anywhere. Country assessment, that's for sure. Around um, around country, Australia, country Australia, and, and, and that's that's where Ben Yole's business model is so smart because there's such great value in that in that prize money. He knows if he can provide 60% of the runners on the night, uh, the law of averages says he'll take home 60% of that 50,000. Do you know what I mean? So yep, nah, that's I his business model. It's very, very clever. 
No, I agree. You know, like, I've, I've said this to Ben. I was dead set against it early days, going back years ago. But I've been a businessman since I was in my early 20s and I took me, I realised to take my hat off to him a few years ago, his business model. He's got to yeah. do what makes his business a success. I've got to, you know, all businessmen do and that model works and now I understand the reasoning behind it because exactly what you mentioned, if he's got more than 50% of the horses in, he's going to win 50% of the prize money or, yeah. or, or close to yeah. of, each, of each night. And, you know, that's what sees him survive and with the big numbers he's got and... You know, he gets the winners he does. But, um, but yeah, so, yeah, but let's just hope on um, Saturday night, you know, all the followers out there get on Sky Channel, watch Tasmanian Racing and see some of our better horses go around and, and just realise there is some nice horses, you know, in Tasmania still. And we'll take a break now and get back with Kent Rat Road. We'll talk about some better horses from the 80s, probably the 90s, from the 2000s, the 2010s, and some of the better ones racing on this weekend. He's been a man of the sport for such a long time. Not a huge name, but geez, he's been associated with some good horses. No, he has, mate. He's a really good fella. He's lived in the shadow of his brother, Barry, worse luck. Barry's his brother, but Kent's just as accomplished as Barry, that's for sure. 100%. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Small things, true care, truth brings. I'll take one left, you're right. Best talk. Welcome back to Trots Life. It is the Taz Racing segment on Trots Life for the week. And we've got Kent Ratray as a guest. We've got Jamie Cockshut down the line. But this first five minutes is going to be about me. Uh, because I can do that. Kent, firstly, mate, before we get to the bit about me, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, good, thanks, Cody. I'm here at Latina, just short of Scottsdale in Tassie. Now, I've got one question I want to ask you about, mate. I'm going back to the 80s. My father had shares in a stallion called Most Chance, and we had a whole heap of these Most Chances in the paddock. And I was, in 1989, on the 4th of February, I was an eight-year-old boy, and there was a horse in Tasmania, by most chance, who was a black stallion, and I followed him throughout his career. He was one of my favourite horses growing up. You had one drive on him on the 4th of February, 1989, and it was for his first win. Tell me about that horse and that one drive you've had on him, and then I'll be happy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, did Remind me of your name. Swishing on. Swishing on. Swishing on. Swishing on. Okay. Yeah, he was the um, he was the follow up to Swishing Over. Yeah. Um, by the same connections as Swishing Over. Uh, Swishing on. Yeah, Barry done most of the stuff with him. It was probably where I was. I looked at uh, stepping out of harness racing for a few years there, and uh, yeah, okay. that would have been about when I started. Yeah, uh, I finished up. I would have driven him at his early two-year-olds, I reckon. You had one drive on him yep. in a race for one win. You were 26 years of age, and uh, that's all I wanted to ask you about because I love that horse, and I wanted to hear you say it was the best horse you ever had anything to do with. No, I won't say he's the best <laughs> horse I've ever had anything to do with because I've, I've laid my hands on some pretty good ponies over the years, but... Uh, 
He's a very nice horse and had a very good turn of foot. He was a very quick horse. Yeah, he was a very yeah. fast horse. What, so who is the best horse then? Is it Quasta Centurion, Sunny Sands, Corelda Dazzler, Colby Sands? There's a, there's a whole heap of them that have just been really good horses. I'm going to put my name to a, another one, which yep. I didn't train, but I had pretty well everything to do with when Dad and I trained here. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Cody Maverick. Oh, Cody yeah. Maverick oh, yeah. He was exceptional. He uh, he won nine two-year-olds, and uh, we lost him in the final of the Breeders' Crown as a two-year-old. Um, but uh, Dad and I both say that, uh, yep, he was he was special. Stephen Duffy's horse yeah. come down in front of him from memory. No, no, he, we're not blaming anyone. He he, um, he we believe he may have slapped, uh, snapped a, a back leg on the way around the home corner. Okay. We're not sure what happened, but but yeah, it was uh, it was the old chocolates to boiled lollies in about five seconds, and it was real boiled lollies. Yeah, very sad but, actually. Yeah. But um, Dad's uh, 84 now, and uh, he'll still say that uh, that that's the family we um, we chase. And I've even gone back and chased a mare, and I've got a couple of foals out of it. Oh, uh, a relation, anyhow, we'll say that. Yeah. Very good, mate. I'll hand you over to Jamie because he he'll probably want to ask you about a couple of horses, and and you got a big hand over the weekend as well. Yeah, we've got there a few this weekend. Yeah, good, Jamie. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. How's the weather up at beautiful Latina? <laughs> uh, a little bit of mizzle at the moment. Not happy with it. But anyhow, it's still um, early spring. So. Hey, hey, Kent, Jamie was complaining Jamie was complaining because he had to get up at 7.30 this morning. Can you believe it? Mm, I started at 5 myself. <laughs> oh well, you, you know, but but you've got the looks, Ken. I haven't got the looks. So I need a little bit more beauty sleep, mate. No, mate. <laughs> we, we've got to be finished and ready for this game of footy tonight, mate. Oh, that's right. Yes. Well, good luck. I hope the Tigers. I hope Blues. the Tigers. No, I hope the Brisbane absolutely wallop you. Yeah. Because I reckon the Tigers are a danger <laughs> to Melbourne. If the Tigers are a danger to Melbourne. Uh, if they go more, yeah, yeah, if well, they go further into the series, so we've got Brisbane's measure, so, and I reckon the old man will be um, cheering over Brisbane as well because he'll be thinking exactly the same as what I am, hoping Richmond yeah, gets knocked out. So they don't be come Melbourne across and Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just touch on like you've been around for a long time, mate. You know, you, like you said, you left the industry going way back and and all that, but you've had some good horses. And I know, yeah, Cody Mavericks, you know, one of the best, but. Um, just in my time, like Quasar Centurion, he's a good horse for you. He won nine or ten as a two-year-old, Kent. He got beat one night, didn't he? Yeah, short think... odds by Wine, Women and Song in his two-year-old <laughs> season, didn't he? That, that, you remember the ones you remember. <laughs> I remember he was a very, very, very nice two-year-old. and um, uh, Yeah, very, um, very well put together, very intelligent two-year-old. He... he he done everything right and had a nice little turn of foot. So he was a lovely horse, and we went to top company and won him discretionary and three for all. So he was, he was a very good horse to me. And he, he did beat Bow Tide in the Raider Stakes, wasn't it? Was it the Raider Stakes he beat Bow Tide in, which was a great battle? Yeah, BJ and, and that Gareth had two in the race, and Ricky Duggan drove our fella and led up and, and done the job. Yes, done a good job. 
And uh, you're yeah. a good horse, Postar. But in more recent years, you've teamed up with um, the Sands horses. And just looking at you know, Saturday night, you've got three runners in, and they're owned um, by the Bennett family. And so they've been an integral part in your training career over the last 10 to 15 years. Is that correct? Yeah, no, that's it. We've been, uh, oh, well, since we've been little kids, mum and dad and, and uh, Nathan's mum and dad were uh, were best of friends and uh, they started with uh, Sylvania Sands and Sylvania Lad and then since then Nathan's taken over the farm up there and decided 10 or 15 years ago that he wanted to breed nice horses, real good horses. He didn't want ordinary horses and went and bought a couple of brood mares on the mainland and, you know, the, the one that he's paid the least for ended up being the better of the two mares. She's sunny and Stormy and Colby and, yeah, it's, a, it's quite, a, quite a good family. Um, and now we've got uh, the other family starting to come to fruition, which is the um, uh, Soho Knightley. Soho Knightley with uh, Jalupi Sands. Uh, yeah, that's Jalupi Sands as uh, mother, so... Yeah, 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 no, they're, they're yeah, two well, nice men well, and they've produced some lovely horses. Well, that's a good lead, mate. We'll start off in race two. You've got Jalippy Sands. She's a pretty handy filly, Kent. Um, this is a pretty good race, but there's she's a bit of depth so, in the two year old filly sweepstakes final, and she's drawn I, four. I keep looking I reckon, at it. I think, I think it's. Sorry. I believe there's five five good chances in that race. Yeah, there's there's a, it's a very, very good field. and... Every time we've took um, Gillespie's hands to the to the races, she's uh, impressed us in, and improved in leaps and bounds. And if she can improve a little bit more, she won't be far away. Yeah, well, she might be able to roll to the lead because you, you also train Scarlet Place, who's been very consistent. And, like, the other week, Island Picari was happy to take a sit on your back. So the lead could be there, and that's going to enhance the chances greatly. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I... I I was very impressed with a, a run up the straight the other week. I didn't think she'd have the speed to run with uh, Alec Picaria, but um, she just digs deep and she's, she's got a bit of depth to her. And I think going forward, she's going to be better, you know, like over a bit more journey. She just, even that night, and they've won two minutes, she came off the track, wouldn't have blown a candle out. Yeah. yeah I was, she impresses me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. But um, we'll go back to we'll go back to race one now, mate. You got Corrado Artemis, owned by Mum and Dad, so you got no pressure yep. on you there, mate. But he's got <laughs> plenty of ability. He's got plenty of ability, but he just seems to have a few little quirks at the moment. Um, have you been able to weave some magic yeah, in blotted, the last couple of weeks? He's blotted his copybook in uh, in Hobart last time, which was a total surprise to me. He's sort of. Um, he's been reasonably easy to train up till then, but um, he just has a little habit of not responding to the bit. And I've whacked a pole on the inside of him so that if he hung down a little bit, that Gareth would be able to pull him up the track and, and give him some room. But he's decided on that night it was either too tight on him or he just he just decided he wanted to run up the track and he sort of started hopping and skipping and that was the bad crowd of Artemis and we don't want to see that again. But... Um, I took the pole off him and just put a couple of burrs there and and um, we'll, we'll, we'll go into it reasonably confident that he'll do everything right. But, you know, he's blotted his copybook and cost him a chance to draw an underneath Nyack, which will make life harder. Um, 
uh, Toddy's Nyack uh, went quite well the other night and, and sprinted home pretty good. But um, I think I think Artemis, the best Artemis, beats those horses. But just hope we see him tomorrow night. No, I agree with you. If he brings his A game, he, I think he'll be too good as well, mate. But um, then we'll move on to the stable star in the Metropolitan Cup, Sunny Sands. He's actually got a draw, I think, that's going yep. to suit him as long as the gaps open up at the right time. Yes. Uh, uh, hopefully the one horse can get off the gate a bit. And um, and uh, if you know, we want uh, in behind the leader or in behind to the fence and they opens up, we know he can sprint. He's, you know, uh, Johnny always used to say, if he's in the race somewhere, he'll go quick enough to put his head in front. You just got to time that run to perfection, you know. Well, it won't yep. be easy with Gareth tomorrow night, but if they do go his way, I expect him to be uh, very competitive. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a good race. Then we'll go over to race eight. You've got a really consistent horse, Colby Sands, mate. He's been a good two-year-old. He won a couple of features, and he just keeps getting his job done, and he loves these stand start races because his good man has always put him in the race. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, and then it's something we picked out, um, you know, four or five weeks ago that we identified it um, as a race for us. And I think we found out the week he was entered for a 55 stand that those races were coming up. And blow me down if he didn't win that night, which meant we were going to have to be off 10 metres, with, even with the JD claim. But we went forward with that. And then we believed we could use Charlie, but then Charlie lost his... Three, uh, five point claim <laughs> so we had to chase around and uh, end up with uh, young Caleb and uh, to Caleb's credit he drove that horse a treat last time he so did mate it was a 10 out of 10 drive and was very pleased with his effort if he can put together the same drive he'll uh, he'll be in it up to his neck I, uh, I was disappointed to see Mel and Riley draw the front row I'd have liked it to just be in behind him on the second row but She's the testing material. It was a good run last weekend. And um, being a mare, maybe if, if we can get at it a bit earlier and keep the pressure on, we may have on the bottom of her. But um, from the draw, I think Mel and Rowley's the testing material. But Colby will run real good. He's been, I think I've had him the best the last six months that he's ever been. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great, mate. So we've got the four runners in, mate. Which one are we going to lean the punters in to have a few dollars on on Saturday night? Oh, it best, the best Artemis wins. The best Artemis wins. Um, if he goes out and does everything right, I think he can win. I give all those other three a chance, and there's a couple others going around there too. But, um, yeah, I think we've yeah. got... Four legitimate chances, and uh, probably Artemis, if he goes away, does everything right. Yeah, he's going to run pretty yeah. quick, I think. Well, let's hope on Saturday night, mate, you're taking a bit of that really good prize money on offer back to um, the northeast coast, and um, I just wish you all the luck Saturday night, mate. Get a few winners, and I hope the Tigers go well tonight, mate, but I'd like to see, even though I'm not a Joe Danaher fan, bomb one from 60 metres out <laughs> right on the side and I beat you by a point. Nah, 65 points. <laughs> now, no you, about, hey, Kent. Before you go, Kent. Before you go, mate, I just want okay. you. I just want you to hear this, right? Wayne Ratray trained six hundred and seventy-seven winners, and I've just quickly calculated side and grandside in excess of four and a half 
thousand winners. <laughs> when you say it like that, it's an amazing family and and such a wonderful part of it. And I, I was only just throwing in names that I could quickly remember, you know, Gareth and Todd, etc., and and James. I'm sure there'd be some rat rays I don't know. I don't know the family tree, but we love having the rat race part of harness racing and, and such a huge part of harness racing in Taz Racing. So thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, thank you. Um, and now I've seen a couple of little ones that are very keen and go, well, uh, Garris, they're going to keep coming. Thanks. Uh, they, uh, Thanks for coming uh, on, Jets. We've got to get to a break. Three or four there. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Jamie. We'll catch you next week. Cheers, buddy. Into Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Do you know the name of this song? This one summer? I know. Yeah. But as the days go by, it's virtually the same tune. So. I could add 35,000 guesses. Yeah, well, look, the music quiz is, is something that I'm going to have to try and work around a little bit without Skeeter um, not... because she was an outstanding competitor. I think you enjoyed it a lot more than most others. No, I, I, I reckon a lot of people enjoyed it because a lot of people used to message Skeeter privately. A lot of people. Thrilled when she beat me. That's a, but they were only me enjoying more, you losing. Me more yeah. so than anyone, I reckon. Yeah, I always enjoy the. Peter Watkinson, board, board member, would, would talk about. He, 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 in Mildury, goes, I love the music quiz, and I love it when the key to beats. I think. I think it's just not the, about the music. The very quiz. fact it's of making you losing, Jason. Yeah, yeah. It no. is. I don't, told you this. Don't be it's because of your I bravado. It. It's because of the bravado that you, I'm the best. Yeah. If we if we walk in down a street and I raced you in a walking race, people yeah. would be happy to see me beat you in that walking race. You and if he started and I like that. If he started racing you in a walking <laughs> race, I like that? You'd get I do in, like that. I would beat you it. in a walking race. You'd actually get into it. I can walk good. Bon would Bon would find <laughs> oh, a way. Boy walk good. Boy bon, Cardri good. Bon would find a way to try and make that into a competition. Uh, Cam Luke up after one o'clock with six time group one winner. D- David Jeffrey. David Jeffrey Taggart. It's always hard with tags because you can't see him out the window. Oh, Toby. Oh. To- Toby. Oh, Toby. Now, he, he didn't hear that because he's... he's... <laughs> well, he might have. We can't see if he's there or not. Mm. Oh, right. dear. Au revoir. Toby. Our burning questions today will be with Jack Law and Jimmy Herbertson along with, of course... Is it Jimmy Herbertson or James McPherson? Double check that. And again, as well.